0: welcome in happy friday i can't believe the lions are playing for a chance to go to the super bowl this weekend it's unbelievable and we will talk about it and i think there's look i i don't i don't sandbag you guys i try to be as honest and forthright as possible and we'll get into it a little bit later. But I feel like the Lions are gonna have a difficult time. <laughs> they're gonna have a difficult time with this game. But we'll get into it. I'll give you my honest assessment. We'll be joined by Herman Moore later this hour. Steve Courtney will join us. Uh, and we will get a look from a 49ers perspective, which I think is also very important. So we got a lot to do today. But I want to get you caught up on, on a couple of big stories that are happening first one of the things that the u.s does is they fund the united nations in a in a, a plethora of ways but the united states is pausing funding for the unrwa stands for the united nations relief and works agency for palestine refugees over allegations that some of the staff inside the UNRWA was involved in the October 7th Hamas terrorist attacks in Israel. Now, the UNRWA says that it has fired several people in order to investigate the information that was supplied to them by Israel. UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez said that he was, quote, horrified by this news and has called for a swift investigation. Now, Hamas killed 1,300 people in that unprecedented attack. A vast, vast majority of those people were civilians. 250 people were taken hostage, and some, the better of 130 people, still remain in Hamas custody inside the Gaza Strip. Now, this is interesting because this changes, I think, some of the messaging that was coming out, particularly from the U.N. Remember, they were calling for more humanitarian aid to be pushed into the Gaza Strip, which I think many people agree with. But but at the end of the day, if you have people, allegedly, that are aiding and abetting a terrorist organization, at least according to one of your largest member nations under the U.N. umbrella, I would be uh, pretty shocked if the United States continues to fund at the same level that they had previously been, uh, if indeed this comes out to be to be factual. Uh, the head of the UNRWA said today that Israel had provided the organization with information about the alleged involvement of several employees in the attacks and said that they will now investigate. So uh, pretty interesting development. We'll continue to watch that. Meanwhile, Donald Trump back in court today until he left. That's during closing arguments in the E. Jean Carroll damages trial, because as Carroll's attorney was addressing jurors, saying that the former president is a liar who thinks, quote, the rules don't apply to him. Donald Trump got up and walked out of the courtroom. The judge in the case, U.S. District Judge Lewis Kaplan Said the record will will reflect that Mr. Trump just rose and walked out of the courtroom. Carol's attorney also told the jury that Trump spent the quote entire trial continuing to engage in defamation against Carol by calling her sexual abuse allegations against him a con job. Miss Carol did not make this up. The sexual assault happened, and his denials were all complete lies, the attorney said. And. Donald Trump, according to the lawyer, told the jury he thinks that his wealth and power, he can treat Miss Carroll how he wants and will suffer no consequences. Trump called Carol sick, a whack job, and that he can't attack her just because he feels like it. Now, Donald Trump did return to the, the courtroom for his own attorney's closing argument uh, about an hour later. I, I guess my question is, if this whole proceeding is based on defamation and eugene carroll's attorney just told the jury that he continued to engage in defamation throughout the trial i'm curious why another lawsuit hasn't been filed i mean if that is the root cause of why we're here then i would be pretty interested to to know why then another case hasn't been filed um In the meantime, the trial of the mother of the Oxford high school shooter continues in Oakland County today. Jennifer Crumbly facing four counts of involuntary manslaughter in connection with her son's mass shooting. James, the father, facing the same charges uh, in his trial, which is slated to begin in March. WJR senior news analyst Marie Osborne been watching that trial and joins us for an update. Hi, Marie.
1: Hi, Chris. A lot happening today. At trial, jurors were shown shots of messages between James and Jennifer Crumley involving their horses and their son. The point was to show that the parents were more concerned about their horses than their son. There were Facebook messages showing Jennifer Crumley asking her husband if Ethan had told him about an issue at school. This is where Ethan was found to be searching for bullets on his phone. A later text shows her asking Ethan, seriously, looking up bullets at school? Ethan texting back it was no big deal and that he didn't get in any trouble, adding, they say I'm all good. Then Jennifer says, you're not. They left me a voicemail. Did you at least show them a picture of your new gun? Ethan replied that he had not. And then, LOL, I'm not mad. You have to learn not to get caught. That message from Jennifer Crumley to her son now, there were extensive text messages between the parents about the health of their horses. Again, prosecutors wanted to show that anything concerning their son was barely discussed bet- uh, between the two via text. The prosecution also showed several texts where Ethan says he hears voices telling his friend that he asked his dad to go to the doctor, but James told him to suck it up. He talked about insomnia, paranoia, saying he considered calling 911 so he could go to the hospital. A computer crime expert testified Ethan had one friend, and between those two, there had been 20,000 text messages. The friend had then been moved out of state. Now, one other thing to note, Jennifer Crumley became very emotional as she heard the 911 call between her husband and the operator where James Crumley frantically tells 911 his gun is missing and he's concerned that his son might be the shooter. This was on the day of the shooting at Oxford High School. And then James Crumbly is heard saying, oh, my God, he's going to kill himself. He must be the shooter. Very difficult day
0: again in court, Chris. Mm. We're also hearing reports that Jennifer Crumbly has is, is, is made the decision to potentially take the stand at her own trial.
1: Right. Now, that came out yesterday where her defense attorney said in opening uh, statements that, yes, she um, plans to have her go uh, beyond the stand. And, you know, that opens the door. A lot of defense attorneys think that's a bad idea because then that opens the door to the ability on the prosecution side to bring in lots of new evidence that maybe the defense doesn't want um, shown or heard in court. So that's an interesting tactic. But, um That's what that's what was said, that they'd like to see her uh, take the stand
0: from that defense attorney perspective. We're going to talk to Wade Fink coming up next, just about the pros and cons of your client taking the stand in Mm -hmm. such a high profile case. um, it, It could be a pretty important decision one way or the other. Marie Osborne, thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. All right. We got to take a break. Wade Fink next on J.R. Afternoon. When you're trying to mount a a substantial def- defense in a high-profile case, you know, there are a lot of things bandied about between between the defendant and and their attorneys. And certainly they can be trivial uh, conversations or they can be pretty substantial and important and have wide-ranging ramifications one way or the other. And that's what we're seeing now in the Jennifer Crumbly case. And And when you open up your defense... And your defendant to this the stand, the witness stand. You open them up for your own question and answer, and you're able to hopefully, in the defense's mind, frame what what you're trying to to accomplish, whatever that that story or scenario or situation is. Um and that could be a benefit. The negative, certainly is then you open them up for cross-examination. Prosecution is able to come in and take a bite out of that apple. And and, and certainly additional pieces of evidence are able to be put into the record. And that may not be something defense attorneys would, would want to gamble with, right? You might not want to take that chance. But at some point, you hope that that gamble pays off. And I think that's kind of where we're at with the Jennifer Crumbly decision to take the stand in her own defense case. Uh, Birmingham defense-based attorney Wade Fink joins us to help us break down the, the pros and cons of something like this. Wade, it's good to have you.
2: Chris, thank you. I appreciate you inviting me on and happy to join.
0: Now, I, I know you're not involved in this case in any capacity, but you've got a 5,000-foot a view like like the rest of us. What did you, what was your initial reaction when you heard that Jennifer Crumbly was going to take the stand in this case?
2: You know, I appreciate the the initial qualifier because it's true, you know, it's it's hard to, um, you know, uh, uh, offer an assessment of another attorney's choices when you're not in the thick of it and know all the ins and outs. So w- with that qualifier, just talking broad generalities, I was quite surprised, uh, to be honest with you. Um and you said it when you were giving kind of an opening to this whole situation. You're, a gamble is true, but a gamble also implies that there's upside, right, that there's, there's some benefit to you to doing it. And I just don't see that in this case. This case, for me, um, Chris, really is not about the emotions or the personality or whether Jennifer Crumbly's liked or not. I, I think that's an uphill battle for the defense. This is really a legal question. Can she be held responsible for the actions of her son, despite what she may have done wrong or not done as a parent? And that's a very technical legal question where I don't think you should be focusing on, um, you know, her her sympathetic appeal to the juror, but rather should this prosecution even have occurred? If that makes sense.
0: Well, sure. And and you look, you know that that this this is a a precedent-setting case. James's uh, uh, hearings as well will be will be precedent-setting. Too. And so it, it's almost like the burden of proof is going to be on the prosecution. It feels like a very uphill battle when when you have to prove malice or intent or that that these parents had a direct role in the deaths of four students at Oxford High School, even though they never pulled a trigger. And so it, it almost feels like you'd want to keep that burden of proof on the prosecution.
3: Exactly
2: Right exactly my read from, again, from afar, but that's exactly my read as well. Look, um, I don't think, based on the preliminary exam and what we know is in evidence, I don't think you're going to find many reasonable people, certainly not a lot of reasonable parents, who think that uh, Jennifer Crumley was a good mom, right, that she wasn't neglectful in a lot of ways, that she didn't do things that we expect parents to be better about. I mean, some of these text messages, even after the fact, that, that are coming out today, uh, the narcissism to care about only herself, her mm. horses, her well being. Um, you know, I just don't think you're gonna find a lot of people sympathize with that. But what they may sympathize with, and I certainly do, not only as a defense lawyer but as a parent, is the, the concept that um you can be held to account for such a uh such a, 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 a tragedy for something so out of the realm of possibilities in most parents' minds. I mean there's a lot of troubled kids who parents give their best efforts uh, to 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 be good and to be good parents and be there for their children and sometimes it's just hard to overcome whatever the the problem may be so holding a parent to account for the intentional evil doing of their of their child i mean there's a, there's a real debate to be had there but i just i think that's where the debate should be and not whether jennifer crumbly is going to convince a jury of her peers that somehow she wasn't she was, you know, a great mom, and she had no idea when the prosecutor cross-examines her. I think that's going to be difficult to, to show.
0: I agree. I mean, again, I think you said the key word, and it's the jury. I mean, everybody on the outside can have their own opinion on the type of parent that James and Jennifer Crumbly were to their son. But at the end of the day, I mean, it it, it really, it's going to depend on what that jury thinks. And and it's not just whether or not they were good parents. It's whether or not they were, their their parental compass was so misguided that it, that it not only played a role in Ethan's, you know, what I, what I would deem to be a mental degradation of, of his faculties, but, but even more so the, the, the actual willingness participation from a parent. And I think that's where they're going to have a difficult time. This would be precedent setting. Do you feel like from a defense there is a defense. Do you feel like there is a strong enough case here to keep James and Jennifer out of prison, or do you feel like the prosecution, being as bullish as as Karen McDonald was and continues to be, that they've got the goods on the crumblies?
2: You know, it's a it's a question that I've struggled with since the first you know interview I've done on this case. I did a, a you know lengthy discussions about this, and I've always said that If I viewing this case, I would always focus on what we've been talking about right now, Chris, and that's causation. Did the did the conduct or omissions right by uh, Jennifer and James cause the 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 deaths of these children? And that's where the focus should be. And where I'm seeing this trial focused is more so on personalities and whether. You know, they did anything wrong in the first place, mm-hmm. keeping the gun in a way that was accessible, buying the gun, seeing that, that math paper that they're most certainly going to put in her hands during cross-examination. And the reason I'm saying that is to answer your question, and that's, I think there is a good defense here, but it, I think it should have been laser-focused on the idea, whatever you think of their actions or their abilities as parents, there is no way they could have possibly foreseen that he would do something so evil and it breaks their heart and it breaks them as humans and they are struggling with it every day i mean that's where i would be laser focused yeah and so far so far with the taylor swift lyrics and the, uh jennifer kremley is going to testify i'm seeing a uh, uh a a narrative that i just you know from a, from afar of course i i leave open to the fact there's things i might not know yet yeah i was um, scratch but...
0: my head too with the taylor swift uh uh lyric i thought that was a bit strange uh but but we're certainly focusing
2: on things that just yeah I'm sorry to talk don't over your head, no no focusing on where, where i wouldn't focus yeah it, it doesn't it matter your question it gives it gives it gives the prosecution yeah. a chance to put that math paper in her hand and yeah and, and you know really drive home the, these facts
0: wade fink appreciate the insight don't be a stranger we'll talk again soon i appreciate it have a good one yeah guys. you do the same i want to go out to paul and Brighton, he's got some thoughts on this case what's up paulie
3: yeah, I agree. I agree with your guest. Uh, there, I have a friend who's a, a retired defense attorney, public mm-hmm. defender here in Brighton. I asked him just uh, a couple months ago. I said, "What was your record?" And I said, "Was it forty, fifty percent?" And he said, "Oh no, I did much better than that. I did seventy-five, eighty percent." I mm-hmm. said, if seventy five or eighty percent, you got off?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Then how many of your clients do you think were guilty?" He said, "Oh, ninety percent." <laughs> I said, "You got seventy-five or eighty I said, "How would you do, how would you deal with the Crown?" He said, "I don't think I'd have any problem at all." And it's it's just like it's colossally stupid to put either of them on the stand just for the reasons you pointed out, because as I wrote, I published an article here in the local papers uh, when it happened is that the laws were insufficient to hold them responsible. There's nothing they should have done by the law.
0: Well, and and I again, I think the defense's biggest, biggest weapon, maybe that's a bad choice of words, biggest uh, uh, benefit is that the prosecution bears all the burden of of proof the prosecution they have to do all the the hard work the heavy lifting to get to get this jury to believe that they are guilty of manslaughter and i think that's where the real issue lies not with jennifer crumbly taking the stand got to take a break all right we'll get back to your your calls on the developments in the crumbly case coming up Momentarily, but look, it's a big weekend. Lions in San Francisco to take on the 49ers in the NFC championship game. The Lions, four quarters potentially from a Super Bowl. Unthinkable just a few years ago, and now very much a reality for Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, Sheila Hamp, and this entire organization. A guy who's spent a lot of years. Uh, picked up a lot of yards, caught a lot of balls. Knows all about how unbelievable this run has been and, and how really amazing it is. Herman Moore, former Detroit Lion, great, joins us. Herman, what's up, man?
3: All right, not much. Just sitting here enjoying uh, everything that is happening that is positive uh, in the city and with this team. Right now, just, this feels amazing. It feels absolutely amazing.
0: It feels surreal almost. I mean, from your perspective, obviously, I mean, you you're the teams that you played on with Barry and Lomas. I mean, really unbelievable teams. What do you What do you take from from those teams when you made playoff pushes? What do you take? Uh, what's like a trait that you see that is similar between these two different iterations of teams in this franchise?
3: Well, one you have to always have uh, cohesiveness. You have to have communication. And you got to make sure that everyone understands what the objective is. You know, Dan Campbell has handled a lot of the intangibles. He's handled some of the things that I think quite often gets missed. And that is, that's culture. We, we'll hear people talk about culture, but think about your job place. Think about whether or not you enjoy going to work. Think about whether or not you enjoy going places where there's a certain atmosphere and there's a certain culture. You you you, you go there and you, you feel a certain way when you're there and you're more energized, you're, you're, apt to do better. And that's what he, he started with. And then from there, how do we open up dialogue and communication? That's what I saw that's being similar to what we did and what we had in our, our playoff runs and also any of the good teams that I've been on that have had success. That is one of the biggest things. And then just respect, you know, he treats his players with respect. Their players will then in turn be respectful back. And then you work together, you're getting things done. That has nothing to do with anything I've said about on the field. And now you take all of that that you've solidified and you put as foundation, and now you move that into the arena, and you start to get out there and play. Now you're all one, and you're doing it together. And that's what I see. There, there are no kinks in their chain. Um, there's no no dings right now in in their armor. They are ready. I think they're focused. They're prepared to play. And and right now this is going to be another game. Um, unlike the others, but they're not going to approach it that way. They know it's 60 minutes of football, and you have to go in and give it your best.
0: Lions great. Herman Moore joins us. You, of course, you can check him out at hermanmoore84.com. You know, I I think defensively there's a way, there's a path for them to be really successful in this game. But offensively, I mean, I, I think you see the firepower. And, and whether that's Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, has come up really big in these first couple of playoff games for them. Jameer Gibbs is coming into his own. That offensive line is just full of a bunch of Warriors. I mean, they are loaded at every level. And by the way, I mean, Sam Laporta is banged up, but he is still contributing in a big way. What do you see from this offense? What do they need to do in order to win this game on Sunday?
3: Well, first, let's let's give a lot of credit to uh, offensive coordinator Ben Johnson for recognizing what he has. Extracting uh, those plays out of the playbook, aligning those with the right players. You see guys rotating in and out. You'll see Mar Ross, St. Brown, their leading receiver, go out of the game. It seems like at a critical time, and another player comes in, and it's because they're dialed in. And what I see with these these players are that you know they they are not. If you start looking at okay, the most talented guys in the NFL, you know you're going to have uh, subjective opinions. You're going to have people. Things, certain things about whether they think these players belong but when you start dialing it back and you peel back the layers and you say what about what about their their uh, business I mean not their business but their uh, playing ability their acumen when it comes to understanding the game itself and things of that nature these guys are business they they go in they handle it they go in and they understand how to defeat what's in front of them they un- understand the objective so together what I love is that you know you talk about a jameer gibbs you talk about solidification of the offensive line um you talk about the the fact that they have a uh, talent and they have depth at wide receiver which we had none years ago uh mm-hmm. other than some some guys we were trying to see if they were going to pan out and now they've developed them into full-fledged one game away from going to the super bowl in a short period of time that speaks volume that speaks volume and it i don't care what people think if it's a um, how they got here or if they thought that this team isn't as deserving as others, you know what they are. They earned it. No one gave them anything. So that, that's the part you hear in me. And I think you hear that's resonating with um, the city of Detroit, the state of Michigan, even those around the country have become fans of the Detroit lions is that this team has done it a way, which quite frankly, we haven't seen done in a long time. And that's from the bottom up.
0: I think this is a special ride for Lions fans, not only because we, you know, we haven't been here in, in a long time. But I think Dan Campbell said it best to the team after their their win against Tampa Bay was, you know, how hard it is to do this in this league. Like, do, do you understand what you're doing right now and, and how unbelievable this is? It, the the gravity of the situation is 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 i think it's 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 not lost on the team that they are doing something special and i think from you know you even look look at cincinnati right they go to a super bowl with joe burrow and they haven't been back since and they haven't even looked like the team that went to the super bowl so it, this is not something that's guaranteed in this league and it almost feels like from i think from a fan perspective you just want to capitalize you want to take advantage now while you have a team of this makeup with this with this roster with this coach and the vibe that they have going on right now nothing is guaranteed in this league and you got you got to capitalize when you got the chance
3: you, you 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 put that in the the most direct way because that's absolutely true think of it this way as you mentioned Philadelphia we saw who had 10 and 1 and they have an epic fall yeah. and just this collapse at the end of the year mm. and everyone just picked them they were going to be this great team and they were going to do all these things and they're still a very good team the lions will get better next year but even if they're better, it does not mean that they may even win their division. And that's how important it is to, to seize the moment when the opportunity is there. Because if you don't, there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees you're going to be able to stay as healthy as you were. As many people we saw got injured this year, mm-hmm. players that came back right before the end of the year, that's timing. Those things worked out in the Lions' favor. And if you, if you start to look at what it takes to get to this moment, all the things that have to click and go right from injury to being on the same page, players pay, playing at their top abilities. And all these things have to align to get to this moment. Now you have to rent and repeat and do that next year. So there's no guarantee you seize this moment right now. And um, that's, that's what makes it special. That's what the players and coach Campbell is telling his team. And it, you know, they have to, once it's done, wherever their season may end, yeah. whether it's here or the Super Bowl champions, it means that they will get an opportunity to try and do this again next year.
0: You got any predictions on this game? What's what's the what's the heart and what's the mind tell you?
3: My heart my heart is definitely Detroit Lions. It's it's we need this. I, I definitely know if I had to just say something I'm very definitive about, is the team's gonna go and give their best. Yeah. And the results will be the results. Um, do I think they have enough there, there are some areas that are con- are concerned, definitely defensively, because mm-hmm. they're going against one of the best offenses in the NFL. Um, and our defense, it has some holes, but it doesn't mean that they can't get it together and fix it and and play lights out. Uh, so that's where my heart is. Um, I I still believe that it's a close enough game to where it comes down to who plays a little bit less uh, mistake football mm-hmm. and 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 capitalize. That's that's it. They have always oppor- going to be important. Uh, you're right.
0: You're right. And Aaron Glenn has, I think, the way that he has adapted his play calling to the, to these players, I think, has been marvelous. And, you know, they've been opportunistic. They've been turn- able to turn the ball over. And and in the in the, in the the postseason, that can make a big difference. Uh, Herman Moore, Absolutely. great stuff, my man. Appreciate you. We'll talk again very soon.
3: Always a pleasure. Thank you. Go uh, Lions.
0: Go Lions. That's Herman Moore. You catch him at HermanMoore84.com. All right. Got to take a break. The Lions are offering another once-in-a-lifetime chance for you fans to watch this game at Ford Field, and it is a sold-out affair. We'll talk about it next on JR Afternoon. All right, welcome back. Very exciting. Lions playing in the NFC Championship game this weekend. It's still pretty surreal to say. And the organization opening up the doors to Ford Field, even though team is in San Francisco to take on the 49ers. Uh, and you'll be able to watch the game with, with thousands of other lions fans and it's sold out. And I think it go just goes to show you that Detroit is on a historic run and these fans want as much of it as possible. Ellen Trudell is the corporate communications for the Detroit Lions and Ford field and joins us. Ellen, it's good to talk with you. Hi, how are you doing, Chris? Um, Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. Um, it's obviously an exciting time for the organization it's an exciting time for Ford field um i don't know that it'll be quite as loud as the last couple weekends uh but but you're 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 giving you're opening the doors up again and letting fans come in to to check out the game at Ford field i think it's great
4: yeah absolutely i mean obviously some pretty big shoes to fill after our wild wild card and divisional round uh playoff games considering Our decibels were um, in the 130s for both games, Um, and we'll have about uh, 20,000-plus fans in the Mm. building, which is obviously less than our 65,000-plus for normal game day, but I think it's going to get pretty rowdy and electric in here. I think fans are palpably excited, and I can't wait. Um, I'll be here and i can 't wait to see uh, the fans come out and and to be able to do this in the city of Detroit while our team is on the road um, is is super exciting and the fact that tickets sold out in minutes yeah. um, when we went live with them i mean incredible like th- this this feels like historic for so many different reasons, and even being able to have this watch party is a part of that
0: and look it's it's going to be different it's not like a normal game day atmosphere obviously there'll be a lot less people there but but what went into that decision? Because I, I would imagine that when you're considering opening the venue up for uh, for a, for a game that isn't happening there, um, you you judge things up in different ways. You 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 make do in different ways. Um, what what are the what were the considerations when going into that? Obviously, the demands there. But in terms of the nuts and bolts of it, how did that all go down?
4: Yeah, no, that's a great question, and and I think what's really interesting, and and I have to give immense kudos and props to our entire operations team here, our events and marketing team, everyone that went into making this decision, because to be honest, we really pulled uh, what is an actual uh, another game day after two two uh, postseason games in a row, which is so exciting and unbelievable, but then we were like, we got we to do something for the fans. This is the perfect opportunity, so we pulled it all together, and we're really going to have an, at this watch party, we're going to try to emulate that Lions home field advantage atmosphere as much as possible. Um, we're having a power hour presented by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort like we do on game days for the first cool. hour and a half that gates are open, so we'll have those food and drink specials that if fans have come to our games during the regular mm-hmm. and postseason, they can expect to have that. We'll have... Um, the live, inter- uh, live band at Socialite at Gate D, like we normally do during Power Hour, and on top of that, um, we are actually giving two giveaways to all of our fans, including a pretty, pretty sweet uh, rally towel. It's different than the one that we gave out um, at our divisional round game. It's, it's a, it's a little different, and it's, it's pretty cool. I, I got to preview it today, as well as a commemorative print poster by artist Rich Pellegrino. Um, We we posted it on our Ford Field social channels uh, yesterday to give a little sneak preview. It's an amazing print. So we're giving both of those giveaways to all fans that are coming to the stadium. And then fans that will be here for the watch party can expect um, our Detroit Lions entertainment teams. So there'll be performances by our cheerleader. Rory will be there, our Detroit Lions drum line. Um, We're going to bring in those pyrotechnics and, and streamers that those fans that had the ability to come to our postseason games uh, have come to know and expect. So we're we're trying to make it as much as a game day atmosphere as possible.
0: That's cool. Is there going to be a Fox camera there? Are they going to yes. be able to, to pipe in and, and show the the crowd during the game?
4: Yep, absolutely. We, um, they're on site, I think, already right now as we speak. Good. Um, so the broadcast will definitely be featuring the watch party, hopefully, for some big moments of celebration.
0: No doubt. Uh, Ellen, great stuff. Uh, congratulations to the entire organization. I know it's a very exciting time, uh, but we got some more work to do, so let's get back to it. Yeah, thank you so much. And go Lions. Go Lions. That's Ellen Trudell, uh, the corporate communications with the Detroit Lions and Ford Field. Great stuff. Uh as always. And look, the fans are rapid right now. They want more. They want they want to win and uh and certainly being in forward field for a game like this uh definitely helps the vibe. All right, I want to get to a couple calls here. John's in Windsor, Windsor. He's been holding tight. What's up, Johnny? A
3: hey, great show. I just wanna give my two sets. I'm driving my Honolulu blue F one fifty down telegraph road. And a boy John I'm going to pick up. I want to pick up my edibles for Sunday, but I just <laughs> want to say this team reminds me so much of Chuck Daly and the Bad Boys. Like, yeah, Chris, you have your people figure out. Other than the quarterbacks, how many players on the roster haven't seen playing time in the last four games? I'm willing to bet it's less than two. We every every lion has a job to do. They come in, they do their job. I'm not saying we're going to win the Super Bowl, but we're going to be there, man. There's no doubt in my
5: mind. And, and and I just want to get your take on it. And I'm glad I got to talk to you today. You know who I am. Yeah, John, like, John, I, I appreciate it. Truck says going to win. Yeah,
0: look, John, I mean, you know, for me, it's like you're right. They do do their jobs. The thing about, I mean, you go back and look historically at Detroit championship teams and they are gritty. I mean, you know, hockey with the exception. I mean, everybody in in hockey is gritty. But I mean, you go to the 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 even the going to work Pistons, right? Th- that was a team of guys from around the league that weren't superstars that ended up beating the Lakers or almost ended up beating them again for back-to-back championships that went to six straight conference championship games. I mean, they were just gritty and they weren't a team of all stars when they were assembled, but by the time they were done, they were, and it 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 feels very much like that with this Lions team. It's a good comp because I mean, there's how many Pro Bowlers? Five Pro Bowlers on this team, couple of All Pros. I mean, yeah, this is this, it's not. We're not L.A. We're not we're not in some of these you know tropical oasis cities that. There's a million I think Dan Campbell said it the other day in his press conference. It's like we don't have the beach. We don't have, you know, surfers and whatever. We have snow and it's cold and it's hard and it's it's a tough town and it's a blue-collar town. And so I think our teams always end up kind of emulating the city and emulating us as a community. And so when Dan Campbell came in to talk about biting kneecaps, it resonated with people. That's why, like right off the get. Right off the rip, people liked them. And this team absolutely has taken that identity. When your star wide receiver is crossing the middle and getting lambasted by, you know, linebackers, um, that's a really tough way to make a living in the NFL. But Amon Ross St. Brown, who's arguably a top three receiver in the league, does that. And not all number one receivers would do that. But a guy that is brought up under Dan Campbell, under Brad Holmes, is able to play that way. It's it's very interesting stuff. Um. All right, got to take a break. We'll get you caught up on a couple of other stories. Lions, big day today. We will continue that. We'll open the Lions coming up in the 3 o'clock hour as well. A longtime Lions fan joins us for some perspective. Got a lot to do. Don't go anywhere as we continue on JR Afternoon. All right, so look, the the deal is I'm always honest with you guys. I always give you my honest opinion. I don't lie, I don't sugarcoat, I just try to shoot you straight and tell you how I feel. And I have begged you, begged you all season long to get on board and open your heart. Open your heart to get hurt again. And here's the great part is I think no matter what happens on Sunday, I don't know that we should be hurt. I think we should be really happy where this team is and where they're where, kind of where they're they're at in terms of their their near-term future success. So, I think when I give you my prediction on this on this game, I want you to remember that I'm just trying to tell you what I think's going to happen. <laughs> I uh I hope to be wrong. I hope that that uh if i am wrong then you call in on monday and you you rub my face in it but i really would like uh i got to shoot you straight with what i think and and we'll do it uh, a little bit later in the hour but with that being said still a lot to do today a lot of a, a lot of news still developing whether it's down at the southern border texas is just outright ignoring the decision by the Supreme court to allow border security to take down razor wire in the Eagle pass area. Um, That continues to be a contentious issue and, and we will watch the developments at that. Um, But Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas says that they have a constitutional right of defense at the border. And so he is using that as a as a method to continue their their current practices uh meanwhile there was a planned meeting between the Biden campaign and a manager in that campaign and a group of Arab and Muslim American leaders in Dearborn scheduled for today well it was canceled after some wider community objected to the gathering and the meeting over Biden's stance on the Israel-Hamas war. Uh, Joe Biden has taken a strong stance with Israel, and many in the Arab and Muslim communities, at least here locally, but nationally too, have said that, that standing with Israel is... Uh, standing against human rights and standing for occupation and allowing uh, civilians to be killed by the thousands. And so the Detroit news today came out with a, with a piece, Uh Assad turf who I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name properly was coordinating a sit down with Arab leaders in, in Dearborn and in the region with the Biden campaign. And he said that he made the decision to cancel this afternoon's meeting Quote, in the best interest of the community, he told the Detroit News, as the community got to learn more about the meeting, there was definitely a lot of outrage. And ultimately, the decision was made to cancel the meeting. Uh, it was between the Biden campaign manager, Julie Chavez Rodriguez, and uh, a couple of handfuls of Arab American elected officials. And the decision was made because there was clear outrage. And so it's an interesting aspect as many in that community have vocalized and said that they just weren't they were not going they they were going to show their obstinance to the Biden administration and their stance on what's happening in the Middle East by using their vote as a way to 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 prove their point or to get their point home. And and I think that by not taking this meeting by By canceling it kind of last minute, I think that shows the severity and the seriousness of their vote and where they are as a community and and potentially the impacts to Joe Biden and his reelection efforts. Um, And as the Lions are in San Francisco to take on the 49ers, uh, we've seen a lot of economic impact from the last couple of weekends from them being home. But with that being said, It's still expected to be a big weekend for bars and restaurants in Metro Detroit. Grocery stores are packed, and they've got to keep their shelves stocked for watch parties and get-togethers. WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne taking a look at the preparations that are hitting high gear. Hi, Marie.
1: Hi, Chris. Pass the dip. Sunday is going to be filled with football. The Kansas City Chiefs play the Baltimore Ravens at 3 o'clock. Then it's the Lions up against the 49ers at 6.30. So a lot of metro area bars and restaurants are usually so uh, slow on a Sunday night in January. Oh, but not this Sunday night is. The Lions are going to be making this big game. Many locations say they've extended their hours, beefed up their menus. Some are having to take reservations to make sure they can accommodate the crowds that they're expecting. Some downtown watering holes say they expect standing room only crowds. Firebird Tavern in Greektown featuring a Honolulu blue mimosa. A lot of bars and restaurants bringing in tents for their parking lots to keep the guests fed. And warm, lots of big screen TVs, grocery stores around the metro area are also bringing in lots of extra s- snacks, we understand. And a lot of carryout-type uh, restaurants and grocery stores that have a c- uh, carryout arm are saying that they're getting a lot of orders. And as we heard from Chris Moyer, a visit to Detroit earlier this week, the economic impact from the first two playoff games in Detroit – $50 million each, and they expect this weekend to be a doorbuster as well. Now, Chris, if you're lucky enough to have a ticket to the game, those round-trip airfares are expensive. United mm-hmm. leaving uh, Detroit Metro this weekend. They're, they're averaging about $1,600 a ticket. American Airlines, 1700 a ticket. Delta Flight's averaging $1,800 a ticket, so... It's going to be an expensive weekend all the way around.
0: Expensive weekend all the way around, an exciting weekend all the way around. And yep. uh, I know that you guys are going to be, uh, you've got a broadcast coming after the game, uh, so you've got to keep it to WJR for reaction. Um, depending on my current state at that point, I'd love to join you. <laughs> No, we we want no. I was really happy to see your name, and yeah. I thought,
1: yeah, that'll be glad because you know you you might get pelted really. Yeah, you know you might
0: just get a real beating from everybody. Yeah, that's after okay. all
1: that I've hearing you said everything you've said
0: this afternoon. That's all right, I can take it, but we'll we'll see. Marie, thank you, thank <laughs> you. It. Uh, all right. In the meantime, want to give you an opportunity because Fountain Blue Las Vegas, the newest luxury resort and casino on the Las Vegas Strip, and we want to send you there for the big game weekend. You score a trip for two to Las Vegas, including airfare, a two-night stay at Fontainebleau Las Vegas, $150 credit to spend at one of its 36 restaurants and bars, and two tickets to the Fontainebleau Las Vegas big game viewing party at Blue Live Theater to enter Texas Hour's national keyboard win to 95819. Full details and official contest rules. Visit wjr.com. Uh, Mark has been holding patiently. I want to give him an opportunity to, to talk here before we go to the break. Mark, what's up, my man? Well, I
3: thought this
2: thing that, you, you know, felt <laughs> if they did lose, it was still a huge accomplishment, and I'm proud of what the Lions have accomplished. Agreed. But I always remember what Mitch Album have said many times
6: through the years.
2: It's always that one play that can change mm-hmm. the game. One bad call, like the one three uh the in bad Dallas, call that was made on the Lions. Yep. That made them lose the game when they really should have won. Yep. And it could go either way. So I think that uh and then look at how many nail biters where they win by one point or they win by the the last minute in the yep. game and it's like the most exciting football I have ever seen. And uh I just hope that they win. I think that they're I think they are gonna pull a rabbit out of their hat. And win and win this
6: game.
0: Your I lips, really your lips, the God's ears, Mark. I, I hope you're right, my man. I really <laughs> I do. Hope so I hope oh, so God. too. Look, as as exciting and as as successful as I think we all view this season to be, uh, yeah, it would be really nice if they won. <laughs>
7: yeah, <laughs> it really yeah. would.
0: All right, Mark, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, in the meantime, we're gonna we're gonna reach into our uh, our 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 bag of tricks here. Because I want to give you an opportunity to hear from those close to the team. And I don't mean the Lions. I mean the 49ers. What they're expecting out of the Lions. And we'll give you an opportunity to scout the opponent too. That's coming up next on the JR Afternoon. Alright, so while this is certainly uncharted territory for the Detroit Lions. For uh, for us as fans. Uh, it has become a, bit of, uh, a little bit of commonplace for those in the Bay Area. This is the fourth I believe out of five years where the 49ers have been in this game they haven't been able to get over the hump but they certainly are accustomed to getting to this point and and so uh, a a little bit of different ends of the spectrum here but these are two I think really evenly matched teams especially on the offensive side of the ball defensively I think is where the the 49ers have a clear advantage Um, but this Lions team is hungry but they do have a lot of concerns, and they will have their hands full with this 49er squad. John Dickinson is an on-air host at KNBR in San Francisco, uh, one of our our, uh, stations that fall under the cumulus umbrella, Uh, a a voice of all things Bay Area sports, and he joins us. John, it's good to have you, man.
5: Thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate the time. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be a a hell of a matchup on Sunday here in uh, Santa Clara.
0: You know, I think from from a Lions' perspective, defensively, right? Brock Purdy, really. Brock Purdy and Jared Goff are very similar. I mean, you look at their numbers. Goff's got a, a couple hundred more pass attempts, but it's with uh, or passing yards rather. But it, it's it comes with 144 ish more passes. I mean, Brock Purdy is incredibly efficient. He's got weapons all across the line of scrimmage. Um, and, and I think from a Lions perspective, trying to slow down Brock Purdy has to be priority number one. And priority number one, A, is probably stopping the run. But you've got arguably the best running back that resides in the Bay Area and Christian McCaffrey. What do you think uh, the, the offense for the, the 49ers has to really take advantage of in order to get things going early in that game?
5: Yeah, I think they know that the Lions have been good at stopping the run. I think – and the one thing that Kyle Shanahan has spoke to, and I think just from being in the 49ers locker room this week and and being out of practice, they believe that if you can keep Aiden Hutchinson blocked and you can basically know some of the different blitzes and and confusion – that the Lions have tried to create against teams, that there are plays to be made against the Lions' secondary, and Mm -hmm. there are plays to be made over the middle of the field in the passing game. Now, that being said, the 49ers always would prefer to run the ball 30-plus times uh, in a game and and get the ball to to Christian McCaffrey and get the ball to Debo Sandville, who likely is going to be questionable uh, when the official designations come out here within the next 90 minutes or so as the the 49ers are are wrapping up practice here uh, as we speak. But, no, I, I think that it's it's the high variance, basically, of the Lions' defense in that they've been able to make some big stops, a big sack in the middle of a drive where teams are otherwise moving the ball on them effectively. It's the ability to move the ball effectively for the 49ers without having that catastrophic play, basically. The sack, the bad penalty, the big-time negative play, which allows the Lions to, to really – you know, bring pressure on on third down and, and get off the field. I think the Niners see and are pretty confident, though, that if they cannot have those catastrophic plays, not turn the ball over, that there are big plays to be made in the passing game, specifically against this Lions defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, for as good as the Lions have been at at stopping the run, I think they're number two in the in the NFL. They're equally as bad. Defending the pass, and I, I think they fall in the bottom ten. And I mean, look, they've had issues in the secondary. They've had injuries. They've had guys in and out all of the of the lineup all year. And that is their that is their Achilles heel on defense. And so I think if you give Brock Purdy the time to sit back in the pocket, really good offensive line, then throw the football around the yard to even you know Chris McCaffrey, huge threat out of the backfield catching the ball. So I mean, the the weapons are there and and i think that's uh uh i think it's a great point under Kyle Shanahan there's been a ton of success they haven't been able to get over this hump though as i mentioned just a bit ago what is the identity of a Kyle Shanahan 49ers team
5: physicality and and, and running the football and and just brutal physicality really on both sides of the ball and i think that's where these teams are in many ways so similar i mean the lions identity i think is physicality and you know know, they want to stop the run they want to run it they want to protect the quarterback they want to win in the trenches the 49ers have won a lot of football games not only in the regular season but in the playoffs based on physicality at the line of scrimmage defensive line play Uh, offensive line play even though they haven't always had the best offensive line they may have the best offensive lineman in all of football in in Trent Williams the the left tackle and he is Mm -hmm. a mauler and and they like to set the tone right there Uh, I I think the identity sometimes gets skewed uh, because of of Kyle Shanahan's offensive prowess and play calling and and system uh, that gets talked about so much with all the quarterbacks that the 49ers have had over the the run here from Jimmy Garoppolo to briefly Trey tre Lance and, and now to, to Brock Purdy. So I think it, it it sort of, in the national landscape, gets framed as the Shanahan offense and explosive plays and, and and basically a lot of the pretty stuff. But the reality is the identity of the 49ers is is in the trenches as much as they do a lot of the pretty stuff well, especially on offense when they're really rolling.
0: I, I know this is uh, easy radio banter because it's so much more than just one thing. But g- give me in your mind, if A happens, the 49ers win. If B happens, the lions win. What, what do those need to be?
5: I, I think it's, I think it's turnovers for the if the 49ers don't turn the ball over, I think the 49ers win. Uh, if If the lions can get a couple of turnovers, if they can hang in the game early and and make basically make the 49ers play from behind. That's where the 49ers have been vulnerable all season long we all saw they came back and, and were able to, to beat the Packers when they were really up against it in the, in the divisional round, uh, some big stops, uh, although the defense was, was vulnerable and, and, you know, had their worst rushing defensive game in, in a year. Uh, the Packers were making plays The elements are, are not going to be a factor this week as they were uh it, last week. It's gonna be seventy one. I don't know if you've I, I heard your, yeah. your best weather report as I was waiting on hold. I mean it's gonna be seventy one and sunny, so no rain, uh borderline hot I would say for for January anywhere uh in the country, even even in, in California. So uh the conditions are gonna be ideal, which which I think, you know, probably helps the Lions who are used to playing in the yeah. ideal conditions in, in the dome. So uh, I think turnovers are the big thing. I think, I think the Lions – here's the other thing I'll give you on the Niners this week from, from being around them. They mm-hmm. are fully aware of the Lions' ability to take risks and thrive basically as the, as the underdog. Like they're not afraid. And, and if those risks pay off, then they can hang in the game, get ahead, and, and win the game. If, if, but in taking those risks, they leave themselves vulnerable to big plays. Yep. For the Niners, it's hitting big plays – without making the critical mistake. If they do that, they feel there are a lot of points that they can put up on the on the board. But let me tell you, Gibbs and Montgomery are going to be a handful. Laporte is a handful. Uh, I mean, how the 49ers defend uh, Amon St. Brown is going to be you know, a, a challenge for them. And they're used to having success against Jared Goff,
3: mm-hmm. but
5: they're used to having success against Jared Goff and moving him off his marks and pressuring him against Rams' offensive line. Right that really were not good uh, other than Whitfield uh, over the years. Mm -hmm. And so the lions have an excellent offensive line. So if they can keep Goff, you know, on track in his spots, keep the offensive, you know, offense in a rhythm, I think they have an ability to maybe take advantage of some, some vulnerable areas for the 49ers. Uh, Ambry Thomas, Michigan guy, he's been vulnerable. The Niners have been vulnerable to the middle of the field Mm -hmm. a little bit in the passing game. So uh, both ways there are plays to be made, but I think it's it's being able to take advantage of the risks yeah. that the Lions take and use those to the Niners' advantage I think are the biggest key.
0: Well, enjoy the game. I know it'll be fun. We're excited. I know you're excited. Uh, enjoy it and uh, have a good time with it. We'll talk again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks yeah, for having me. You got it. That's John Dickinson out at KNBR in San Francisco. Got to take a break. So why sports is so great? Is because you invest so much time and energy, and you, you get involved with your loved ones, and 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 it, it's an escape from from life. It's an escape from politics. It's an escape from bills. It's an escape from from your job. It's an escape. It's an escape. Just like going to the movies is an escape. Um, and and you become so attached. Because you dedicate so much time, whether it's going to Tigers games or Red Wing games or uh, I don't know if many people are going to the Pistons games, but maybe the Pistons too. It's an escape. And there are so many fans in this town that have been fans for so long that I feel good for you and I feel excited for you. And one of those people is Erica Amir. A Lions fan. She's been to every home game for the last thirty years, going all the way back to the Silver Dome. And she joins us, Erica. It's great to have you.
8: Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you. How How, how did this
0: Lions fandom come about for you?
8: Lord, uh, ever since I was a little girl, we would watch the games with my mom, uh, my sisters, Kristen and Shelley, and myself would sit and watch every Sunday and then the love grew and then my sister got season tickets first and then I graduated from college and I went to Michigan so I had to choose between Michigan tickets and Lions tickets and I went all in on the Lions um you know my dream was to be a sports broadcaster so you're living my dream but I'm just happy to be a part of it today uh I did move out of that career and mm-hmm. um and ended up, uh, you know, working in it for a little while. I sure. used to work at WXYT Radio. Oh, good, so, awesome! So well, I worked with Gator back in the day. Yeah, w- well, we were we were young bucks then.
0: You know, it's it's funny because, um, it, it's 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 almost something that's learned when when you're in a family that is a sports family that loves sports that loves watching or going to games. It it literally just becomes. Part of the fabric of your life, like it, it, it yeah, becomes. I like don't a no, have a choice. It's a no brainer. You're going to the right. Lions game on Sunday. Like uh, it, yep. it's, it's just the way life is. And so, what does this mean to you? I mean, I, I, I view it a little bit as house money to a certain extent I I don't I, I talked to Herman Moore earlier and if if you missed our interviews thegreatvoice.com. greatvoice.com I didn't he's um, my man Yeah but but I mean you know nothing is guaranteed in this league it's a really difficult league to make it to this point even and and certainly making it farther is even difficult more difficult but it it feels like the Lions have had a wonderful season and and that their oh. window for being a really good team with big aspirations is just opening so, what is this? What is, how are you approaching this NFC championship game against the 49ers?
8: Man, it means everything to me. I just, in my gut, I know this is the most cohesive team from coaching to back office to defense, offense. These guys will kill for each other. They're, they're playing for each other, they're playing for the city. I know it, that this is the most heart that we've ever had as a whole. Mm-hmm. Man, I've got some favorite players back in the day, and the the Herman Moore, Chris Bielman days were great. Yep. Um, but this feels different. Like I, I, my analogy is that it's like um, it's like Charlie Brown. The rug always gets pulled. Well, guess what? We're standing on the rug. Uh, we're we're not afraid of anyone in front of us, and it's Super Bowl or bust. Well, That's you know, it, it, Erica, mentality. it's almost
0: like I felt—I felt that way when we lost to Dallas when that play was reversed, the flag was thrown. I, yep. I did. I felt like we got screwed by the referees. The rug was pulled out from under us. Except the difference is, is the rug was pulled out, but we didn't fall down like Charlie Brown. <laughs> like we were we didn't able need to. Re- it. No, we were able to regain our balance and composure, and we went on and still won the division and still yep. ended up being the number two seed. So I, it does, it feels differently. I hope you enjoy the weekend. No matter what happens, um, I will. I, I know I'm going to Vegas it. either way. Oh, good for you! Ticket booked. Great Go for Lions. Great, Erica. Enjoy it. Super Bowl it. or bust. Super Bowl or bust, Erica. Thank Go you. Lions. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Yeah, you got it. Bye. Um, all right. So that's the positive. right? <laughs> I got to give you a little. I got. I just. I. I. I have to. I have to tell you what I feel. What I think and i've been telling you to open your heart i want you to be i want you to be open because look th- what's great about sports and football is like it's the ride there aren't a ton of games they mean a lot and and it's the ride that you go on even th- even through those couple of rough patches where they get lambasted by baltimore or as as erica put it you get the rug pulled out uh like it like it did in dallas it's the ride that you go on. And if you miss the ride, you miss most of the fun. And so for me, this has been a really fun ride. I enjoy it. I, I have enjoyed it. And if uh, God willing, we will continue to enjoy it. But my feeling on this game is, is pretty simple. Uh, and again, I hope I'm wrong. And if I am wrong, I want you to line the phone lines at, uh, at two o'clock on, on Monday and, uh, And you can rub my face in it. It just feels like. Offensively. These two teams are very good. And you could even call it a wash. You could even call it a wash. Even though I think San Francisco. Has some really explosive playmakers. um, Maybe a little more than we do. I will say. That defensively. Is where I feel like. we, We will be most exposed. And. I do believe this will be a close game. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a a shootout. Um, I think the line last time I saw it was 6.5 or 7. And that sounds about right to me. It sounds about right. It sounds like a 27, 21, 28, 24 would be a, a really nice game. I, I think the 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 storybook uh, final chapter is written this weekend in San Francisco. I, I think you're probably looking at a San Francisco Baltimore Super Bowl. That's how I feel. I I can't. I, it's just I I can't lie to you. It's just how I feel. But I hope I'm wrong. I do. I hope I'm wrong. I have opened my heart. I I. I opened the show the other day drinking Honolulu Blue Kool Aid. It's I'm I'm on board, and boy, I hope I'm wrong. We'll talk about it more with Steve Courtney coming up next on JR. Afternoon. Uh, the responses are already flowing in. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I got to tell you what I feel. It's how I feel. What are they saying, Brian? Uh, Phil from Albert Hills texted in and said, "Hey."
6: Can someone tell Steve Courtney to talk Chris in off the ledge?
0: All right, please? there it is. Steve Courtney <laughs> joins us. Hello, Stephen. Chris, um, you got to get me off the ledge, my friend.
6: Are 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 you leaving it to me to be the voice of reason? That's I, crazy talk.
0: I well, look, I I just said uh, I I just feel like even if you consider the offense as a wash in this game, which I mean, fine. I mean, they're both really good offenses. They're both, I mean. Brock Purdy and Jared Goff are very similar quarterbacks, and um, and they have a lot of weapons. So even if you call it a wash, um, defensively, San Francisco is just a really good physical defense. And I just, unless the Lions can shut down the run and make it a, a one-dimensional game, get that pass rush going and and affect Brock Purdy, I just, I think the six and a half, seven points is right. It's probably a 27, 20, 27, 21 game. All right, let me I just
6: uh, let me just say this: uh, our chat, and I've got some numbers to help you out here, Chris. Uh, our chat brought to you by the hardworking men and women at Bill Brown Ford. Forward down the field, indeed, the W's have been stacking up. And how about the Winged Wheelers? They shut out win on the home ice last night. They got into the lion spirit, that's for sure. My good friend Matt Garco and his team are stacking wins each day. Drive with the champions at Bill Brown Ford. Shop their TrueView inventory at Bill Brown Ford dot com today
0: hey steve Uh, real quick did you see last night the jared goff chance at the wings game
6: i was just going to mention that isn't (laughs) that something (laughs) uh it was uh something to witness that's for sure uh you talk about the lions stopping the run and dan campbell a couple of days ago said that is priority number one for this lions team who by the way remain seven point underdogs uh here's the deal the lions have done a stellar job throughout the year Uh, Stopping the run, second uh, best run defense in the league. Now, what you bring up is a valid point. The pass defense, 27th in the league. The X factor here, going into this amazing championship game, is we don't know the status of Debo Samuel. Uh, Suffered a shoulder injury in the win over the Pack last weekend. Uh, At last word, he was limited in practice remember he missed a couple of uh, games and the bye week earlier with a micro fracture in his left shoulder uh so uh, we'll just have to wait and see meanwhile uh some other numbers you may be interested in if you're a number one seed as the 49ers are uh history is on your side uh number one seeds are 34 and 14 in conference championship mm-hmm. games home teams in case you're wondering in the NFC title game, 36-17 in the AFC. Uh, Something else to keep in mind. The Lions uh, averaged five fewer points per game on the road. Now, all of this makes no big deal about no nothing. Um, We know this about the Lions, Chris. It just seems as though no moment is too big for them. And you talk about Jared Goff um he's the guy you want in the huddle because let's be honest you know everything is not going to go perfect in, in this tilt the 49ers are too damn good and here's my fear uh san francisco didn't play well at all uh against the green bay packers last week but w- what do good teams do they find a way to win and you know at the end of the day i i have nothing but confidence in this stellar Lions offensive line. Frank Ragnow, he's a warrior. Warrior. Uh, He's going to be good to go. Uh, But they've got to provide with this amazing 49er pass rush. They've got to let Jared Goff do what he does. Uh, The numbers here, uh, the uh, 49ers have gotten to the quarterback 48 times this year. Nick Bosa led him with ten and a half. You got to keep an eye on McCaffrey. He's a dual threat. One thousand four hundred fifty nine yards rushing, fourteen TDs, sixty seven receptions with seven TDs. All right. So, so
0: with all that said, where are you at on this? Well, you know what? Oh no, I've been torn. Oh no,
6: don't do this to me. No, I've been torn. But here's the here's the thing, and I am one hundred percent confident in this. I think that this Lions team, as they have done throughout the year, become Dan Campbell. They they grab his mentality. Uh, and they're going in pretty much cheesed off. And I'd like to say something else besides cheesed, but it's an adult program. It's family-oriented. Um, that they're seven-point underdogs. So it's the Lions now going in with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, it is going to be close, but I think the Lions respond. I think the Lions... Uh, maintain their status as america's team oh i i I just can't i just can't go against him chris i just can't
0: all right well thank you thank you for balancing out my crazy
6: and and wait a minute before i go yeah shame on you for doubting this lion's
0: team look it's not doubt i have been steven listen i'm doubting chris doubting chris (laughs) damn
6: No, Chris, I I I, I understand. I, I just, I, do.
0: I just, my heart tells me one thing, my brain tells me another. I but just.
6: But here's quickly. Here's where I stand on it. I was watching it with my dad. You know, God rest his soul. Yeah. You know, thirty two years ago when they got clobbered by Washington. Yeah. And my thinking at that time was, eh,
0: you know what? We'll be back. We'll do this again in a couple of years.
6: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How'd that go? And, and, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, look at the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Steve. Well, enjoy the game this weekend. You've got my hands already sweating, so thank you. Enjoy. You and yours enjoy, Chris. All right. Steve Courtney, thank you. KB joins us. What up, KB?
7: All right. I've been out there today, and I'm letting you know right now. Coach almost bit my head off and asked him about energy and emotion. I know. I was going to ask you and about And he's ripped.
0: Campbell has two tails. So wait, hold on. Stop. You asked him, look,
7: you can get juiced up for these games. I said, Are these other guys, these guys have been guys there back? four times. This your first time. Are you going to have to pull these guys back? Or yeah. you can over- Are they rabid, he- basically? Hit- Coach Campbell has two tails, and everybody out there listens when you see his press conferences. One, he takes his hat off and rubs his head and puts his hat back on. He does that all the time. That's when he's emotionally ready, or if he taps the side of the podium. Yeah. I asked that question. I thought he was going to jump off the table on me. Yeah. He was, he was tapping that thing I like, know. he was playing like bongos. You know, I said, he said, We're not, we're not pulling anybody We're back. going in like yeah. a, like a stormtrooper. We're going in. Yeah, like, in.
0: like, like, a, like you're, you're about to storm a,
7: a beach yeah, in Normandy. Right. Okay. I was worried before that press conference. They're all in. They're all in. So that was enough for you? That's enough for me. That I just want to know. That, I, you know, tells. you go over there and you get in the game. And you start freezing up because it's a big game. And next thing you know, you're down 21 nothing. No, no. They're, they're getting it. after it. Like UFC. They're going to make Kansas. They're going to make San Francisco tap out. What? You heard me say it. You heard it first. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second. They're going to
0: make. So they're going to put a whooping on.
7: A physical whooping. Now I don't know what the score is going to be. I'm not into the scorekeeping. I'm not a well, I Jimmy degree. No, don't I'm come in here about, with that nonsense. By, no, Give me a score. No, no. Well, they're going to win, but I'm trying. I'm not predicting the numbers. The numbers mean nothing to me. By the end of is that it game, a double digit win? No, they will win by a single digits. Okay. I was worried for you That's when I saw sound that of today. Kenstradamis.
0: Yeah, yeah, I saw that. No, when oh, I saw that, you didn't I, come to help. When you I may see, have saw no, it, but you didn't I'm come not to, help. to help. I want to see that.
7: Yeah. The, the, the press backed off that table yeah, like a Dan, Dan Campbell beat your knee cap. I felt like the Maytag repair man. I was in there yeah. by myself oh, when I said boy. that. Oh boy.
0: All right, Mitch Album and the crew coming up next. If they lose, Kevin I'm Glover, telling you. Kevin Glover 4:15. Line them up. Kevin Glover 4:15. All right. See you Monday.